listening to episode 27, chapter 3 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Josh Larson. Josh Larson is the co-host of the radio show and podcast Film Spotting, author of Movies Are Prayers, and editor and film critic at Think Christian, a website exploring faith and pop culture. He's been writing and speaking about movies professionally for more than two decades. Josh's career began in the newspaper business, where he started out as a beat reporter for a weekly community newspaper and went on to become the film critic for the Chicago-based Sun-Times Media for more than 10 years. In 2011, he joined the Christian media landscape as editor of Think Christian, and in 2012, he joined the long-running weekly podcast Film Spotting, aired on WBEZ in Chicago. If you've read the Psalms, you've probably noticed the wide range of topics and emotions that spill out from these Hebrew poems and verses. David writes Psalm 51 and pours out his confession of sin to God. He writes Psalm 8 and describes God's glory and majesty. And he also writes Psalm 35, where he calls on God to destroy his enemies. These psalms are really prayers that give voice to what the writer was experiencing at the time. And in the same way, movies give voice to what the screenwriters and directors are experiencing themselves, what they find to be true in life. When they paint a grim picture of the future of humanity, they give voice to a feeling of hopelessness about the human condition. When they tell stories of humanity rising out of the ashes to enter a better future, they give voice to the desire we have as human beings to make a better world in which we can conquer evil and live in peace. In this chapter, Josh talks with us about a few of the categories he's found in the prayers, the longings and desires we see in front of us on the screen. And interestingly enough, these prayers are often quite similar to the prayers prayed by David and the other psalmists. One of the movies that you talk about right off the bat, so I guess I should introduce this, you cover nine different types of prayers in the book. Um, The first one being prayers of praise. And you sort of have a a story structured from, um, that that you pull from the scripture. Let's actually talk about why you chose these nine types of prayer and why you cover them in the order that you do, because that's very significant. Um, It's a very significant point for us as far as where we love the grand narrative of Scripture, of what, what it's doing from the fall to redemption, and, and waiting um, for uh, Christ to return. And so you're doing something very similar in the book. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. As far as choosing the types of prayer, it was more—it um, goes back to what I said at the very beginning of realizing I was experiencing this feeling of prayer while watching these films, and that, these films, and then just asking myself, well, how would I categorize that? And then also looking to Christian tradition and scripture itself for the forms of prayer we see there and sort of working it the other way and saying, oh, that's interesting. What sort of movies come to mind when I think about this form of prayer? So that got me to the, you know, the different categories. But the overall structure goes back to um, what you were saying very early on. I mean, it's music to my ears when you're talking about God's story and how we're all a part of that. And all of these narratives in movies are really sub-narratives within God's story because it is the narrative of the Bible, of creation, fall, redemption on the cross, and then the restoration of the new creation that that we are awaiting. And prayers certainly fall along 
that timeline. So if you look at the ones I include, uh, where I begin with praise, I, I connect that very much to creation itself um, and giving thanks and expressing wonder at the good things God has made. And then I move towards yearning, which starts to get us towards the fall, you know, realizing something is off about this world as beautiful as it is. And then spend some time really in the sorts of prayers that wrestle with the fall directly, lament, anger, and then move towards confession, prayers of confession, and then prayers of reconciliation. This is also, you know, a, a discipleship path, that, which is probably sounding good to you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you move from confession to reconciliation. And then what is a prayer of obedience, offering our Christian obedience? So we're getting towards the end here, meditation and contemplation. Those are sorts of prayers I explore as well. And then I finally do end with prayers of joy, which I describe as distinct from prayers of praise at the very beginning, because this is the joy we anticipate experiencing in that new creation. So it brings us all the way to the end of, of God's story there. And yeah, I do think when we pray, we're praying along that timeline somewhere. Uh, sometimes our prayers jump around from one because that's how we live, right? From from one area in God's story to another. Um, but certainly they each do fall along that grander narrative. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really helpful for giving us, I was talking to Josh before we uh, jumped on, but it's almost like I can look at movies now in like a whole new genre of like, they have their own genre of prayers. <laughs> you know, it just gives you an extra lens to to see or or to give language for what, you know, that movie is evoking within you. Sure. Um, so thanks for that. Now I want to, it kind of feels like I'm going backwards because I want to dive into um, a specific point. And I think Avatar is a great movie to talk about this specific point of, uh, of talking about, are we reading too much into maybe what the filmmaker okay. is doing? So you use the movie <laughs> as an, I'm not criticizing you. I have my own thoughts on this. So um, yeah, I get it. So you use the movie as an excellent example, as a prayer of praise, because it is, um, sort of evoking all of these images of creation and it's it's good and it's wondrous and like this amazing world that we could never uh, or very few of us could ever think of and you know it's brought to life on in, in on the, the the big screen in front of us. Um, one of the things though that it brought up to me and so this gets into am I reading too much into this or is this maybe an area that it is appropriate to read about these movies because after this movie came out, wildly popular movie. Mm-hmm. I remember there was like almost this hysteria that happened after where all these people wanted to stop being humans and wanted to go be like the Nav, be part of the Navi, right? They wanted uh-huh. to go off into space or, you know, it was almost sort of this lamenting of their humanity. Mm. And I thought that that was a really interesting, uh, unintentional perhaps theme that came out of the movie. I mean, there's, if you haven't seen the movie right now, by this point, then I guess it's not a spoiler, you know, but like <laughs> the whole point with Jake, you know, sort of being torn between his humanity of living in both of these worlds and then ultimately giving, giving it up to, I guess, to be present in a Navi body. To me, all that speaks of like, what does it mean to be human? Am I off base yeah. with asking those questions or is that part of the film you think? Oh, no, you're not off base at all. I remember finding it um, fascinating to think about, you know, the, it's right there in the title, Avatar, but we were not yet awash in, uh, as awash as we are now in creating digital selves. 
And having these virtual beings, whether it's your Twitter profile or whatever it might be, um, that is now just kind of accepted. That's what everyone does. I mean, when Avatar came out, that was still, we were still at the early stages of that. And I found it one way to read that movie as this fascinating uh, consideration of what does that really mean? What are we giving up to speak to your concerns um, of our humanity if we do that? Uh, what does it allow us to do that maybe we couldn't before? Um, what does it teach us to appreciate? There, yeah, I think I think that's all there. And again, what's important is you're you're drawing that from a very specific detail in the film that that this main character is in a sense giving up his body in some way. And so I think as long, again, it goes back to the idea, as, as long as you're rooting it in observation of something that's right there on the screen, that's open to your, you know, that's, or interpretation is certainly valid if that's how you read it. Yeah. And, and it's not to necessarily come up with um, like a definitive answers. I think, and I think this is your point with movies as prayers is that they cause us to ask these questions and wrestle with the these issues, often issues that we have deep inside that we can't fully articulate, and yet a filmmaker and an a amazing group of artists have brought to life something that you never would have thought to be able to, to say. And all of a sudden, now you have a common language, and we have a common language as a church or a culture, to wrestle with those together. Yeah, I like that, that it provides a common language, a common, it sets a common table we can sit around and, and then not worry so much whether, you know, the movie got it right or we agree with what the movie said, but, but just bring our experience of the movie to that table and, and share it. I like that a lot. So many times Chris and I throughout the day, we'll just, <laughs> so we like to use movie quotes and TV show quotes to just kind of riff. And uh, I often say that that's 80% of the dialogue that I have yeah. is, <laughs> is a movie or TV quote. And, and what's cool about that is because we've both watched those things, we have this shared understanding, this shared culture in that. Sure. And we understand not only the, the, the meaning of the words that are said in the quote that we make, but the context of the quote or the parody of the context of the quote. And it yeah. communicates so much more than what we're actually just saying in those moments. Yeah. And we find that all the time throughout Scripture, too, where somebody in the New Testament will uh, reference a, a quote, like Paul will reference a quote in the Old Testament. And he's not just making the point from those words that he's quoting, but he's also saying, think about the entire context of what's happening in this thing that I'm referencing. Yeah, and we do that true. so many times. That that's today, the quote too. with Jesus: "My God, My God, why have exactly, you forsaken me?" Because yeah. all of Psalm twenty-two is about that feeling of separation. That's right. And but it's also the. But you read that psalm. You go in and you read that psalm, and you're like, "No, this is actually Christ's story right here, right?" right? And you know, because right. I anyway, it's not necessarily a, a cry that Christ has been abandoned by God, but it is a quote that is symbolizing all of salvation history in this moment. Exactly. Yeah. It becomes extremely powerful. Yeah, and, and there's a dialogue there between the psalm and Christ's words for sure, yeah. Films have a way of revealing some of our deepest longings. Sometimes we might not even be aware of the needs in our hearts, but the elements of story, dynamic characters, and symbolism that make a good movie can reveal our heart's true desires. In the case of the movie Avatar, I'm sure there were many who thought they were perfectly happy with being human. They didn't realize that the sinful condition of their heart cried out for some deeper purpose. They didn't realize that 
sin had caused them to become less human. And so, when they watched a movie like Avatar and the conflict of what it means to be human is dealt with, they found their own lives woefully lacking. The prayer of praise over a fresh, unspoiled creation was overshadowed by their own prayer of wanting to become more than what they were. They wanted to transcend their human bodies and become something more. This prayer demonstrates the deep yearning we all have to be free of sin's curse and to become fully human as God intended us. So today's challenge is a little different. I want you to watch your favorite movie. And as you watch it, pay attention to the prayer it is praying and see if your heart isn't secretly praying the same thing. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Josh and his work, check out LarsonOnFilm.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Josh discusses the value of movies for discipleship. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to DailyGrowthDiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.